Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase, part of the StoryForge Network. I'm Scooter Mann, and with me are Morgan Hazelwood. Hello. Maggie Allen. Hi. Verity St. Marie. Hey there. And Beta Max Baskin. Be kind. Rewind. Don't forget to check us out over at Patreon under Legendsmith Productions. This show is brought to you thanks to the support of our wonderful patrons. Today, we'll be listening to Chris, which premiered in June of 2019 and was created by Jessica Rainfield. Jessica created the show to combine the worlds of fictional and real-world crime, something that she hadn't seen done before. This is the premiere episode, Stacyville, and it was originally published on June 25th, 2019. But first, a word from our sponsor. Harry's House of Half-Haunted Hats. Is your scalp boring? Have you ever wanted to see a poltergeist? Our hats are made of certified country leather with certified ancient inscriptions binding certified terrifying apparitions. You are guaranteed to have a paranatural experience within the first 30 minutes or your money back. For all those spooks currently inhabiting the bodies of our previous customers, sorry, this deal is for the living only. That's Harry's House of Half-Haunted Hats putting the me in cemetery. Warning, do not use a Ouija board while wearing a half-haunted hat. Improper usage may rupture the time-space continuum, resulting in yet another class action lawsuit. Come by today. Okay, let's get started. This episode of Chris is brought to you by Sonic Forge Studios. Sonic Forge Studios is a digital, multi-track recording studio located in the mills of Summersworth, New Hampshire, and is the official studio of Chris Podcast. Head on over to sonicforgestudios.com. is texting me at 5 a.m. I knew I should have left my phone on silent. Hey, Jessica. Everything okay? Yeah, it's fine. Looks like my boss is texting me. Texting you? At 5 in the morning? Yeah, at 5 in the morning. What, you're leaving? Yeah. Don't you want to grab breakfast or something? Nope, I don't. Oh, and uh, Tim, don't worry about having to call me again. <sighs> My name is Tom. Okay, Tim, well, I'd say see you later, but... Yeah, well, fuck you too, then. Already did that, and as a rule, I won't be doing it again, either. Hey, Jess, I got a case I think you might want to take a look at. Give me a call later. Meeting with a client at 8 a.m., so I won't be in the office until later. That was a text from Phil, my boss. We're private investigators in New York City. He doesn't usually message me this early unless it's something really important, so I figured I'd give him a call back right away. It's not like Tim or Tom or whatever his name was would miss me. I was going to take off on a bit anyways. Tinder is for one-night stands. It's not like I ever remember any of their names or stay past 6 a.m. anyways. And I never get breakfast with them. Ever. I don't have time to deal with relationship bullshit. Better to cut the cord before there's ever even a chance. Phil Slater. 
Hey, Phil, it's Jess. Got your message. What's up? On another date, I take it? You don't usually call me back this early. Oh my god, Phil! As if I don't know you by now. Well, anyway, a stately friend of mine from the police academy was down visiting from Maine. We grabbed some lunch and started talking about unsolved cases. He told me about an unidentified man found in the woods of Maine whose case is still cold after seven years. Okay, what does this have to do with me? Well, I thought maybe you'd like to check it out. You know, do a little digging, see what you can find. You mean, go to Maine? Yep, I mean go to Maine. But what about my caseload and all your admin stuff? Haven't you been wanting a chance to spread your wings a little? Vindicate your cousin after all these years? I can handle the office while you're gone. Things have been pretty slow lately, and you've never left New York before. Don't you think it's time to step outside the box? Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I wouldn't have offered it if I didn't mean it. You know that. (sighs) You're right. Well, I guess I'm going to Maine. When do I leave? Next week. As long as I can get all the paperwork taken care of for you to investigate. Okay, that works for me. Sounds good. I'll see you at about ten. I arrived in Stacyville, Maine, November 10th, 2017. Population, 400. Super cold, a lot of trees, very green, desolate, and quiet. Most of the people I passed on the way had some sort of hunting gear or snowmobile or ATV, what have you. Coming in from the city, this really felt like nothing I've ever experienced before. I mean, I've lived out there all my life and I've never really ventured out of town, as Phil so plainly stated. It's not as if I ever really had a reason to. A place like New York has everything and more to keep me entertained all 31 years of my life. Right out of high school, I started working for my boss, Phil. Having previously been chief of NYPD, Phil opened a private investigations firm after he retired to keep himself occupied. Originally, I was just supposed to be part-time help, you know, to like research his cases, take calls, etc. Pretty much a glorified secretary. But these last five years, I'd been working as a PI under his tutelage. When Phil's buddy told him about an unsolved, unidentified man found in the woods, he knew this was exactly the kind of case I'd been wanting. So Phil contacted the proper authorities about it, and off I went to the Pine Tree State, having completed the paperwork and legal requirements to investigate in another state. Stacyville is so small that I could only find a place in Millinocket 20 miles away. Realizing how small the town is leads me to believe one thing. This man definitely wasn't from around here. The circumstances behind his discovery are bizarre, too. For starters, he was wearing high-end clothing from Cape Cod, New Balance sneakers, he was carrying a briefcase with empty apple juice bottles, a can of bug spray, and an extra sweater. But the strangest of all was that he just had a knit hat on that said Chris. According to the case report, he was approximately 68 inches tall, 155 pounds, and most of his remains were unrecognizable. I seriously can't wrap my head around this. Had anyone seen this man before, and why wouldn't he stand out? Why hasn't anyone reported him missing? These questions and more just screamed through my head. So after a long day of traveling, there's no way I'm going to make any headway tonight. So I went off to the local convenience store for a bottle of wine and some nourishment. An hour or so later, I'm now back in my room, cozy in bed with chocolate pudding, a bottle of Shiraz, and Clueless on Netflix my go-to when I need to unwind. I'm counting my lucky stars this place isn't so small that it doesn't have Wi-Fi. 
The next morning when I woke up, I was ready to work. I decided to go with some old school detective tactics. So I made a board and put down all the facts. That took all of like, what, 15 minutes? I mean, I don't exactly have much to go on. So by 9 a.m., I ended up venturing out of my room to make my way over to Stacyville. Phil had arranged a meeting with Sheriff Weston at the only place in town. Shelley's. A breakfast joint attached to a gas station, which also doubles as the local bar at night. When I walked in, I felt almost at home. It's the kind of place you find in the movies. You know, all the locals come here, everyone knows everyone, you've got Norm sitting at the bar in his usual spot. Next to the entrance were a couple of couches and a bearskin rug between them. I wonder though, does it actually ever get so busy that there's a waiting line? The restaurant itself was covered in photos from local photographers, all for sale. The overall construction reminded me of a cabin you'd find in the woods, like right down to the trophy heads above the bar from local hunters, commemorating their largest kills. It made me think of like when you go to a bowling alley where they show off who bowled a perfect game. Looking around, the sheriff was pretty obvious, wearing a black uniform and hat. With him was another man I guessed must be from Fish and Game with his green attire. I walked over and introduced myself with a firm handshake. If my father was here, he'd be proud I was putting his advice to good use. Good morning, Sheriff Weston. I'm Jessica London, the private investigator from New York City. I'm aware. This is Warden Duran from Fish and Game. He'll be escorting you to the scene. Coffee? Uh, yes, please. Cream and sugar? Got it. Refills? We figured being from the city, it'd, it'd just be a little safer if I accompanied you. You know, here in Maine, we can't get there from here. Thanks. I appreciate that. Okay, well, let's get down to brass tacks. Suspects, leads... <laughs> Ma'am, we've been over this a million times with all the other investigators. Here's the case file. That's all the help you're getting from me. Wait, why was he being so hostile? I mean, I noticed when I shook his hand he was cold, but now he's just being downright rude. Okay. I think you'll see you probably have all this info Well, I'd still like to question the residents myself. Starting with her. Yep. She owns the place. That's Shelly. Good place to start. Go figure. Well, if you don't mind, while you finish eating, I'll just introduce myself now. Before the sheriff could say anything, I approached the bar. Shelly was standing behind it, refilling coffee for local Norm, chatting. She's an older woman, with a high bun on top of her head, wearing a yellow dress and apron. Much like you might see in a 70s diner. Come to think of it, she's probably owned it since the 70s. I know, I know, not very nice of me, but that's just the kind of mood I'm in. Morning. Morning. I'll grab your coffee for you. Okay, thanks. My name is Jessica London. I just arrived... I'm aware. I know why you're here. Well, that makes this easy then. Um, do you mind if I ask you a few questions since we can skip the intros? Look, I'm busy. She didn't look busy, but whatever. I also made a mental note that she never once made eye contact with me either. Is there maybe a better time I can come back? Come back at two. With that, she turned around and poured more coffee for Norm. She never gave me my coffee, though. There's one thing I'm good at, it's recognizing when I'm in a losing battle. So I turned around to find Warden Duran coming over, who also realized my interview was over. I see the sheriff couldn't be bothered to leave his breakfast, though, so I just gave a quick wave and walked out the door.
Warden Duran led me to his truck. It was black with a giant fishing game logo on each door. There was a snowmobile on a trailer attached to the back, too. The warden saw me taking stock of it and laughed. <laughs> Don't worry, Jessica. You won't be needing that snowmobile today. Tuesday might be a different story. You better stock up. Uh, we're due for a nor'easter. Seriously? <laughs> yep. Don't you check the weather down there in New York City? Anyway, how much trouble did you have finding a room? Oh, surprisingly difficult. There's not much around here, but the innkeeper said I was lucky to get a room. She's right. The Southern Mainers from what we call York County, Massachusetts, they like to come up this way in the winter for the prime snowmobiling conditions. In the summer, it'll be four-wheeling. Hmm, who knew? This podcast is written and produced by Jessica Rainville. Produced, mixed, and edited by Rick Coast. Music by Tangent Music, LLC. See you next Tuesday. Do they seriously end with see you next Tuesday? Yeah. But it means cunt. What? See you next Tuesday? It's, yeah, it's a very common thing to be like, She's a real see you next Tuesday. Like that's I've never heard that before. Yeah, they end with cunt. That's <laughs> slang for cunt. I only remember that in context. I don't remember that out of context. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that would be a good thing for us to say as a group together at the end, and then I thought, no, that that would no. <laughs> Although since we tend to meet on Thursdays, that'd be even funnier. See you next Thursday. Which also would work but it's not what the slang is so we kind of get away with it yeah that's true see i get i get confused because when i hear see you next tuesday i think sunt because <laughs> of the c and that's how the word see you spelled yeah yeah because you're actually spelling it. and you so i actually wouldn't be sunt it'd be scient like <laughs> s-y-n-t that's not a anyhow that's not not related to the episode we're reviewing what did you guys think it wasn't bad it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. It was, you know, I, I think the sound editing was really good. I loved the background noise, noises and the intro music and the ambiance was really strong. The interstitial music was also really good. That's a word I don't know, actually. Oh, uh, the music in between the talking parts, kind of like the interstitial area between the ribs, but that's neither here nor there. There were a lot of elements that I really wanted to like, but there were a lot of things that I don't know if it was because it was a newer, or it was the first episode of that series, or if there were other things that were popping up and causing them, but there were elements like um, the main character that was expositing nonstop. And sometimes it seemed like she was rushing through her lines and not taking the time to feel them. But I, I don't know, it, it left me feeling a little bit awkward. That's fair. Maggie? Yeah, the narration seemed to go on for a long time. There were moments that I feel like they could have had a scene with characters and her coming across the details she was bringing up in a more 
natural, organic sort of fashion. But in addition to that, when she was talking to people, it would be interspersed with her thoughts. And they were the same level, it was the same editing for the voice, so there was nothing really to distinguish it from the narration. So there were a couple times where I thought, is she saying this out loud, or is this just a thought? It was kind of hard to tell. Understandable. Verity, you had some thoughts on this, right? Yeah. So, like Max, there were many things where I I really wanted to like it. Um, I think that it might be suffering a little from being the first episode and not having quite found its voice yet. So it looks like it's trying to go for a modern noir feel, but it, it sometimes misses that mark a little bit in tone and its character seems inconsistent in the way that she presents herself and even her thought process. We're, we're kind of introduced to her at first with, oh, no, I don't get in relationships, screw that, I don't have time for that. We hear vaguely that there's a cousin mishap, but then later on she's concerned about having had a mean thought about the person who owns the restaurant in Stacyville. And that just, it, it seems like somebody is trying really hard to figure out what their character is still. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to be hard-hitting, I'm a badass, you know, I'm going to have some of these biting comments, don't then roll that back and be like, oh, no, I shouldn't have thought the mean thing. Just, you know, commit to a character. Find who she is, find what she wants, and then you'll be in, in a much better, much more solid putting place. And I think that actually sums up a lot of what I was feeling. The fact that they were drawing a lot of their tropes from noir, but they were half-assing it. You, you either have to go full, hard-boiled, hard-hitting. I think that the word that uh, Verity used in our chat was, you have to have the gravitas. And it didn't have that because it was trying to be nicer, but it, it, it just interferes with the overall feel of it. Yeah, I, w I was gonna say that I feel like they were really fighting with the making it both noir and also from a female perspective, and they fell into a lot of superficial stereotypes about both groups and meshed them in bad ways without necessarily exploring the character and um, really developing why the character has the attitudes they do and how that would necessarily play out in different situations. It has a lot of promise. It's not quite there yet, and I'd be interested to see if, you know, about three, four episodes in, if it really finds its footing and, and gets that voice clarified. Yeah, I, I think there's just some decisions that need to be made. Um, and, and I will give them a lot of credit for trying to do something different um, in, in a, a modern noir sense with having a female lead. Uh, and really thinking about a lot of environmental factors because it was very clear that they did. Um, there were a few places where I think like the balance might've been off on, on some of the sounds, but they were really thinking about what, what is around um, the characters. I, I also am a little concerned about their storytelling arc. 
because they ended at a very odd place for a story to end. It wasn't like it was a cliffhanger or anything. It was just a bit of an information dump and they could have put in just a little bit more, a little bit more to that. I, I think Morgan was saying that just 30 seconds, a minute more, and they could have really rounded that arc. Getting back to one of the things that you just mentioned, Verity, I really do think that the thing that I liked the most about it were the little bits of immersive sound that happened, like the rustling of the sheets in the beginning, the sound of the cars passing by. And it, it did help bring me into it, but it also made some of the problems that I had a little more stark in contrast. Yeah, um, with regard to the sound effects, there were some times when I kind of expected a sound effect to happen and either it didn't or it was so quiet or so intermixed with the other sound effects that I didn't hear it. Uh, when she was having her like one night stand at the beginning, like she says something like, oh, I got a text notification. And like, I was kind of expecting like a ding or something or like the little clicks that you hear when somebody's typing on a cell phone or like somebody will pour a coffee or she'll say like, oh, the waitress turned around and poured a coffee. And I swear I didn't hear it. I think somebody else might've heard it, but it was just so soft. And I kind of expected to hear it because she drew attention to it. But like the sound effects were really good. A lot of the sound effects were really good and really immersive. But then other times, like some of them were weirdly absent as, as well. I, I think one of the things that really started me off on the wrong foot was her attitude about the one night stand. Because if you're going to do a one night stand and you hook up like that, then I feel like there are less hostile ways to transition and be like, hey, that wasn't what we agreed on. Have a good life. That she was openly hostile towards someone who, you know, had apparently shown her a pleasant evening um, and wasn't trying to be extra clingy or anything and didn't seem to need a heavy brush off. So I just started off not liking her attitude. Um, and, um, I, I mean, I, I totally understand prioritizing work or whatever, but I, I wanted to feel a little more of the relationship between her and her boss, because I feel like they have that mentorship relationship. Everything points to that. And so I think some banter in, or, you know, pet names or something mixed in with the info dump that was their conversation. I, I feel like the conversations were definitely the stronger parts, but then they often spelled it out for the audience and the audience, we were there with them. We didn't need everything spelled out. And I think they just need to trust their listeners a little more. Agreeing with Morgan, you can have like consensual sex and not be a dick about it if you don't want it to happen again. You can just be like, hey, that was a great time. No, I, I think that this is it. But, you know, thank you very much. I've got to go to work. Like, you don't have to be awful to somebody. I like the idea of tapping out of sex, though. Like, like oh, literally. We're good. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> like, what I'm imagining. It's like, no, nah, I got to tap out of this one. I'm sorry. We're done. I was actually imagining you tagging someone else in. Like, <laughs> it's like oh, no, I've got to stand in. Here's my pinch hitter. That was definitely them trying too hard to be noir without being true to the character. Yeah, but 
again, with if you make decisions, yeah. if the character actually makes decisions and has a fully developed character, then those sorts of things like flow more easily. There, and there were many times where we heard about things as opposed to seeing them. Like we didn't get to discover things with the character as much as I wish we had. And even in noir, you go through with the character as they are, you know, doing their discovery and you you find those things out and you have those more conversations. I feel like there was a the entire section um, that she ended up at the convenience store. There were a lot of opportunities there where she could have interacted with someone or something and broken out of her head a little bit and it could have been more dynamic. I think a lot of that brusqueness though might have been trying to emphasize the whole I'm from New York and I'm proud that I'm from New York and I've never lived anywhere but New York attitude that she didn't really execute well and there was no accent. I mean it didn't have to be a Manhattan accent or a Brooklyn accent or a Bronx accent. It was it was just generic. It sounded more Midwestern than anything else. And the same went for, honestly, the people in Stacyville, because I've heard the main accent before, and that, that was not it. And that I'd rather they didn't do it than do it badly. So that was definitely there. I don't fully understand what a New York accent is anymore. Like, there's some people that have, like, a very strong New York accent, but I've met people from New York that that just sound like people from like television version of American accent, basically. They don't have a specific regional accent. I spent enough time around New Yorkers when I was younger and there was less diffusion of language that I'm used to a certain level of it, but that's an excellent point, Scooter. But you're right. At least normally when somebody makes a big deal about being from an area, they tend to have at least some of the accent from that area, Um, at least in media, more so than in actual real life necessarily. Uh, like, I don't have a DC accent. I don't even know what that sounds like. Actually, that that is a little weird. People who are born and bred New Yorkers are usually very proud of their borough. And I don't know which borough she's from. That's true. She just said New York. That generally means Manhattan. Oh, okay. I can see that. I can see that. Because Manhattan people are very full of themselves. I thought Manhattan people, even in Manhattan, they normally say which part of Manhattan they're from. That they might. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I was, I've never left the Lower East Side or, you know, except maybe to go to the theater or whatever. Right. Because I've definitely had friends that have said that kind of bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. Brooklyners and Bronxers. Brooklyners and Bronxians. Brooklynites. Brooklynites? Brooklynites, yes. The Bronx and Queens are are pretty. And what are people from the Bronx called? Bronxers? I don't know. I want to say Bronxonian, just because I like the way that sounds. Bronxonian. And then Queens. Are Queenians? Queentillians? Queens. Queens. Queens are from Queens. That sounds terrible. Um, I want to call them princelings if they're from Queens. Just royals. There we go. Royals. Yeah, you can tell you're from Queens because you're, you're a royal. And if I recall correctly, Brooklyn is Kings County because it used to be Kings. Oh, Brooklyn used to be Kings? So it's Queens and Kings? Yeah. I, yeah. I know one of them was. So I just can't remember if it was Brooklyn or the Bronx. You sure it's not Long Island? Long Island would have fun Kings. It already looks like a penis. Ahem. That's Long Island. Long Island. Long Island? Yes. Lawn Guy Lind. Long Island. Long Island. This sounds like a penis joke. I mean, is anything not a penis joke? Vagina jokes. Have you been to Long Guy Land? I mean, vagina jokes do tend to get kind of deep. <sighs> Unless you clam up. Oh, stop. We're just going to muffle this one. All right. So um, let's talk about some of the, 
There was some chatter before about secondary characters that I don't think we've actually talked about yet. What did you all think about the non-main character? They didn't fully develop uh, a lot of the other characters. We we all did like the waitress um, because she did seem to have clearly something going on, uh, but we didn't get a lot of time with the other characters. And and like Morgan said, we didn't even get a lot of time with her boss, which was the main person she interacted with, even though it was via phone. I would say that I would, going back to that comment, I would be super creeped out if her boss had had a pet name for her, and I'm glad that didn't happen. But, but, but who, with what specific attributes, is pursuing what course of action? You should be able to answer this for every character. I feel like the sheriff was very much the big tie or big city cop came out to my small little district and we're going to be hostile. It's, it was just a very stereotype and I think there could have been more nuance. But if he was being hostile, he wasn't even really hostile. Like she said he was rude and I was like, that's not rude. I'm from the South and that wasn't rude. She's apparently from New York and she thought that was rude. That was <laughs> definitely not rude. Yeah, that was maybe Maine rude or Can Canadian rude but not, not New York rude. Yeah, Canadian rude it still involves saying that you're sorry. Midwest rude. It's interesting how there's a completely different scale for rude in different parts of the country. His tone was even still friendly. Like, even if he wasn't offering up all of the information on a silver platter, which no one does, that's not how people talk. His, his tone was not like, F you. It, his tone was like, nah, whatever. Who was hiring them? I don't think they were clear about that. If they were, I dropped it entirely. Because the cops clearly didn't call them in. Nobody knows who it is. So who is paying for this? The government? I feel like they said something on the phone call about that. But yeah, it was super unclear as to who wants this information and why. Speaking of things I was unclear on, did they ever actually mention what advice her father gave her? Or did she just make a callback to something that was never stated? Callback without clear. Was it the thing about the handshake? I don't know. It might have been. And in that case, I'm just assuming it means do a nice firm handshake. Yeah. A lot of people have strong opinions on the right type of handshake you can do. That's why I spit in my hand and slap people in the face. It's great. <laughs> that's why I rip off their hand and slap them with it. Pre-corona. You're right. That, that's why I bow to people. Post-corona, I ask them to rip off their own hand and slap themselves. As long as you're asking politely. Stop hitting yourself. Yeah. No, no, start hitting yourself. Start hitting yourself so I can ask you to stop hitting yourself, please. Bring a pen knife with you everywhere you go, and then each of you cuts your hand, you become blood brothers, and then... then that's so much... Me. That's double corona. I mean, that's like... All the problems. <laughs> the only worst thing is if you had to cough into your bleeding hand wound before you shook hands, and then you had to lick it after you were done. No, again, <laughs> obviously we are joking about all these things. So I have to admit, I was trying to follow the narration, but she started talking about what happened to the body they found, and I don't know if I just tuned out or if I just looked away for a second and missed something, but I feel like she was going over like, oh, here's the unusual things about the body and here's what I'm investigating. And I came back like a couple of seconds later being like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, I don't really remember any details of the body. Not really. In the woods with shoes from a higher class place than the town. That's all I got. New Balance is not higher class. But I think that that is a very good point about what parts are being stressed by 
by the performer and what parts aren't. Like we all remember, she sounded really irritated about the convenience store and very dismissive of the restaurant that's attached to a gas station and all this other stuff. But the part that should be really gripping, that should be fascinating both to her as somebody trying to solve a crime and to us as listeners should be this body and what's going on with it and what you see around there and what you smell around there and how is it laying and that sort of stuff. And yeah, that was not memorable. I still can't, I, can't, I still keep coming back to the length. Like 12 minutes can work, but just something about it felt very, like it was cut halfway through an episode or something similar. If you were to draw this story, where would the rising action be? Where would the climax be? Where would the falling action be? Like, I, I am unclear about, I mean, I know what our inciting incident is, but other than that, we get a little muddy and we don't have a good conclusion. And conclusion doesn't have to mean that everything is all tied up in a box, but we need to at least know that this chapter is, has come to a close. Yeah, maybe that's it. It feels like it's like half a chapter as opposed to a full chapter. Yeah, I think it also depends on, like, I watch a lot of movies, so I sometimes end up thinking of things from like a movie structure standpoint. And because of the time and the way that Hollywood movies are structured, you kind of know when things are happening in the story. Books have more time and flexibility and podcasts, depending on their length, can do that too. But yeah, I just feel like not, not a lot happened and I wasn't sure if there was something specific I was supposed to focus on. Yeah, it felt like it was a lot of like character building and background setup stuff. But the problem is, is for our first episode, that's hard to hook you on. All right, let's get some individual opinions. Maggie, I just want to hear you speak. So um, I really liked the sound effects. I really liked the, the sound balance was pretty good. Um, all of the actors gave decent performances. Whether or not I liked the character that they were running with, I thought that, you know, they spoke clearly and I could tell kind of who was who. Um, Really, I just keep coming back to the fact that there was just a lot of narration and there was narration even in the scenes when people were talking to each other and it was her inner thoughts, but it was the exact same level as when she was speaking out loud. So I had a hard time trying to figure out which one was which. It was interesting. I wanted to like more of it. I'd be curious to see if it improves in the subsequent episodes. But um, I'd have to put it at um, two snarky waitresses out of five. Okay. Uh, Max, what are your thoughts? I really did like the sound effects a lot. I loved the kind of bluesy twang that they had in some of the music. I've always been a big blues fan, so that was a nice feeling. And it did help add to the atmosphere. I think that both in writing and in a couple of spots in performance, there were definitely some areas that need to do something. And if I had one piece of advice to give, I would say, figure out what you're going for and commit to it. And even if it's being an awful person, committing to it is going to draw people in a lot. Uh, I'd have to give it uh, two out of five pairs of New Balance sneakers. Verity, uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm so reserved and don't in any way say exactly what I think throughout the entire episode. So I'm sure that people are shocked to hear that um, I, I think that this is a case of a good idea that could really benefit from some direct and even just a few writing and directing exercises before they go forward, I think would, would give them a lot of clarity. Um, 
I like noir and I want to see them do it well. Like I, I can dig some camp if somebody's going to commit to it. Um, as it is, if it did not make some changes, I would be unlikely to want to continue to listen. Um, and having said that, I, I did, I wanted to dance to the music. Like I started dancing to the blues as soon as it came on. And I, I do want to applaud them for, for the way they are thinking of the project, because that's, that's a good first step. But it's still going to have to be uh, probably one and a half to two very long expositions without showing me something out of five. Morgan. So um, I'm going to second everything that's already been said. Obviously, I feel that the audio editing and everything was amazing. I thought that the sound effects were great when used. I thought that the music was definitely in keeping with the story that I believe they were trying to tell. I think that the story definitely has promise, but it's not quite there yet. But I think what what's bothering most of us is the pro is the fact that we see what they're trying to do and they're not quite there. And that's what really hurts is because they could be so, so good. And I hope that they realize um, that potential it, once they find their footing in the next couple episodes, hopefully. Uh, and if, if it was just bad, we wouldn't be talking about the things they could improve. We would just be making fun of it. Um, so I, I, I'm going to give them three out of five because it's, it's so close and it could be so good. And I really want to see what they do with it. Um, but they, they've got to do it soon. Giggity. Man, really making me seem like the hard ass among all of us. <laughs> I feel like I did nothing but complain. Verity, you're the one with the theater background. I mean, not that the rest of us don't, but... But you're the writer. That's why I'm like, oh, I can see what you're trying to do. It's, I just want to do a little editing and tweak it here. It's Also, historically, I think I'm often the hard ass in the group, at least with this show. I run too many support groups for aspiring writers, I think is the problem. Here's the thing, Verity. You you do tend to have very strong opinions and you're not shy about stating them. And frankly, I think that's a really good thing for this sort of project. But you're also very supportive and caring. You're not speaking from a place of anger. You're bringing these things up, not because you want to hurt someone's feelings, because you want them to do better. You're encouraging. and. I don't think that's being a hard ass. I think you could call it tough love maybe, but. Oh yeah. Like I would want to work with them. You put the constructive and constructive criticism. Okay. She likes building them up. Giggity. Oh wait, what? Huh? Huh? <laughs> this program was brought to you by. Cows. Guns. Truck. Whiskey beer. Boots. Spittin'. Tumbleweeds. Sarsaparilla. Riding. Horns. Grass. Drive. Maverick, Taurus, Fresh Milk.
Real American cowfolk. We will be heard. That was Stacyville from the show Chris. To find out more, go to www.chrispodcast.com. This has been Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Don't forget to check out our other shows, Anansi Storytime, The Fairy Tale Audio Drama, and Geek Core Radio, the eccentric music podcast. Thanks for listening. High five. We made it. How rude. rude.